You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Internet Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Packernet Podcast. My name's Riley. This is the Internet Podcast. I will say it's quite hilarious that um, I've been doing this podcast since she's been alive. <laughs> My kids don't know the name of the podcast. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It took like five takes. <laughs> what I want to do today is... Um, Focus a little bit on the NFL draft, and um, we're going to do something a little bit different. Last year, you might remember, I was a big Zach Tom fan. Um, I talked about him fairly regularly, a little bit on the podcast, and then on the draft stream, starting in like the second round, I was kind of like, ooh, Zach Tom, ooh, Zach Tom, let's go Zach Tom, come on. And then when we got him in the fourth round, I was super stoked, right? But the reason that I like Zach Tom had nothing to do with ever watching Zach Tom, not even once, which might be disappointing to you, but trust me, um, my film watching abilities are nothing to be uh, super excited about. Granted, I'll put mine up against just about anybody else's considering the hit rate, but you know, you're just as good watching your own tape and not worrying about what I have to say. No, no, no. The reason I liked Zach Tom is because I went over to SIS, and this is the public SIS. There is the uh, big giant database that we can also use that I should be using more often. I just don't know what questions to ask it. We did use it before when, for example, we, I forgot what it was. I think the Packers are real bad, like in the red zone, and so I wanted to find receivers, tight ends that just dominated that area, and I think it was Michael Mayer, if I remember right. Which, by the way, I'm starting to come back around to really liking Michael Mayer. The um, love for... Darnell Washington, coupled with the poor performance at the Combine for, for uh, Michael Mayer, and then every other tight end just shooting up the boards like Dalton Kincaid. Michael Mayer has just kind of fallen by the wayside, but um, yeah, I kind of I still, still like him a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But anyways, no, SIS has, um, you can find it yourself. They have their NFL Draft website. It's just, well, nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com forward slash NFL dash draft forward slash big dash board so yeah it's it, just google it or something but the point is they they have these um leaderboards i guess you would call it and for each position they have a ton of different statistics and they don't list everybody right again you got to kind of have the back end for it but they list sort of the more prominent players that you need to know and they've got a billion different metrics, and you can kind of mix and match which ones you care about and don't care about. For example, total points rating per play, which is probably, you know, the most important, I guess, in terms of what SIS thinks. But there's total points per game, uh, total EPA per game, uh, and then there's passing points rating per pass, per blah, 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 rushing points per rush, IQR, which is like their, um, uh, whatchamacallit, passer rating. IQR short, medium, and deep, under pressure, no pressure, uh, accuracy, percentage catchable, all that stuff for each position. And the, the thing with um, Zach Tom is that this is a guy that I had never really heard of, and he was at the top of like every single list. Just dominated everybody. And look, this is similar to PFF, right? If you go on PFF and you look at who had the best grades and everything else, it's, it's going to be a bunch of names of guys that are like fourth, fifth round prospects. So if you just go based on PFF grade, you're going to be like, well, this fourth round guy is the best guy in the draft, and you're probably going to end up being wrong. And it's why PFF doesn't just go based on their grades, right? Because the grades are, you know, it depends. The school, the system, the competition, all that stuff comes into play, and, and there's translatability. I mean, some of these guys play for programs that are nothing like what you're going to be doing in the NFL. Um, and so there's a question of, you know, can you adapt to the NFL? And, you know, for example, even, you know, these 230-pound pass rushers that just dominate in college, but it's like, can you do that? Granted, that's what this draft class is. A lot of smaller guys, wide receivers and pass rushers, just smaller dudes in general. But can you do that? Can you survive at the NFL level? So there's, there's 
more to it. And it's the same with SIS, although this is a little bit more... No, I guess it's not. It's it's still statistic-driven, which is based on competition and things of that nature. But it still blew me away that this Zach Tom guy was at the top of everything, and I hadn't even heard of him. So I liked him. And then I went on to watch him, and it was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I like him. He's good. Doesn't seem super big, but he seems like a very fluid, talented pass rusher, I like, or a pass blocker. I like him. So I want to do that for this draft class and just see because, and the other thing is we get so stuck, and I talk about this all the time, we get so stuck in how things are like very, very, very specifically. Like if we try to alter anything from what we see from, for example, the consensus big board, like if you would dare to say that B. John Robinson is going to go 15 when you're convinced that he will, or I shouldn't say 15, that's where the Packers are, I just made up a random number, um, you know, 22nd, and it's like, no, 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 he's guaranteed to go between, you know, 13 and 19, you know, I mean, like, we get so locked in and specific. It's good to kind of shake that up, because remember, and, and this is a, a very unusual example, but we had guys talking about Malik Willis being like a top five, top 10 guy, and he went in the third round. So we, we have to have some level of flexibility and understanding that although it seems highly likely, right, we, we can take it all the way up to like 95% certainty if we want, but we shouldn't take anything up to that 100%, which is what everybody in the NFL draft world likes to do. Zero chance, no way, Packers will never do that. This is never going to happen. This team would never do that. That guy will never go that high or that low or whatever. And then it's funny because you you listen to, for example, and we got to go back and check if part two is out, but uh, what Bob McGinn did, where he would talk to three or four or five different scouts about each individual prospect, and you'd have some guys saying this is the best guy in the class, and the other guy saying this guy's not an NFL football player. So obviously there's a lot of um, variability. You know, I mean, look at who the Patriots took in the first round last year, a guy that, I mean, even the, the Rams head coach was... Um, was he on camera and somebody told him what the pick was and he laughed at him on camera <laughs> like, what an idiot. And then he later apologized and talked about how great of a drafter GM he is. But it's just good to kind of get some different perspectives and see things from some different angles and, and maybe kind of either help or shake up our, our preconceived notions. Because again, we get pretty entrenched in our own thoughts at this point. So I want to start with, for example, the big board. Going to be a lot of parallels between this and um, what you'll find, for example, in the consensus, but a lot of it is going to be very different. And again, it's going to upset a lot of people. You know, how dare you? That's ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. For example, Tyree Wilson, who's basically a lock top, what, seven or something? They have him 18th. So stuff like that. So let's just run through, for example, the top guys, Someone, some of them that are different. Let's look at them and see maybe we can figure out why. Let's look at who's in the range of the Packers according to SIS, stuff like that. So to start it off, you got Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. That's not that surprising. Some, ple- some people would have the quarterbacks up higher, but that's pretty normal. Number three prospect in this entire draft that they have, Bijan Robinson. And again, it just kind of brings up that whole, like, well, you don't take running backs early. I-, I get that, but what if he's the third best prospect in this entire draft? Like, you're not going to take him third, fine. But when do you take the third best player in this draft? Like, when when does it become okay? I'm not even talking about the Packers. I'm just saying philosophically, let's forget about it. Or, or let's say we did need a running back. If he is the third best in this entire class, would you take him at 15? Would you take him at 10? Would you take him at 7? Would you take him at 20? Then you get the quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. And then again, another little bit of a shakeup. And, and this is one that some people have talked about potentially to the Packers, if he even makes it there. Um, I haven't been the highest on him, just like I haven't been on anybody, largely because of his size, but Nolan Smith. They have Nolan Smith as the sixth best player in this draft. Their little snippet on this page says, Smith is a supremely athletic prospect with elite speed and explosive ability to go with eye-opening strength. Uh, with, with eye-opening strength, okay. Um, held together by good football intelligence and a very disciplined game overall. Now, again, I'd have to go back and kind of, I, I did a cursory look, wasn't necessarily blown away. And I, I think when you're 238 pounds as he is, um, the only thing I'm watching is, are you able to kind of push through? Or is this kind of like late stage Clay Matthews where you give it your best shot on that first little pass rush move? And if that doesn't work, you kind of get stuck. That's the kind of stuff that that really worries me and, and can drive me insane. As much as it's great to be just that elite pass rusher that once in a while gets around the corner. I hate seeing a guy get stuck. 
Then is a player that uh, I've become pretty high on, and that's um, Devin Witherspoon. Very, very physical football player. The problem is <laughs> he's the kind of guy that all of us like, but doesn't really fit, right? He's that dominant press man corner that we're going to have playing off and in zone. And then we're all going to be screaming, you got a bunch of man corners, what the heck are you doing? But I still like him. Again, it's not my favorite thing to go with corner, but I just, as far as prospects I actually like, it ends up being the corners, and that's just the way it goes. Usually most people have Christian Gonzalez ahead of Witherspoon. Um, I'm a little bit more of a Witherspoon fan, but only marginally, and they actually have Gonzalez just behind him at eight. Then at nine, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, you know, and and that is a debate. Who is the top receiver? I think Njigba has kind of, um, once the combine and all that stuff happened, he did end up kind of taking over. Not that he necessarily blew everybody away, but the the agility stuff really did blow everybody away. And then it was just a matter of, will the 40 time be devastating? And it wasn't. It was completely fine. Nothing wrong with his speed whatsoever. So I think he's kind of taken that mantle. It does seem like... um, We've kind of gotten into this territory where it's kind of assumed that he will not make it to the Packers when you look at how, um, I don't want to say overvalued, but highly valued wide receivers are. I mean, there's some positions where you, you're probably going to get drafted later than your talent, like running backs, and then there's some where you're going to get drafted earlier than your talent, and wide receivers become one of those. So if he is the ninth best prospect, he probably goes before nine, as crazy as that sounds, because it's kind of we're, we're kind of in this will-he-go-top-ten territory. Now, it depends what people actually think. Some teams don't think he's worth that. Some probably wouldn't really want to draft him this early at all. Um, so we, it just depends on the needs of the teams that are in that range and, and how much they actually like in Jigba. But um, there's also a ton of Packer fans that are in the trade-up for Njigba um, camp. I can't 100% say that I'm in that camp right now. I, I just... I mean, listen, if you're telling me it's a third-round pick, fine, I guess. But um, I know that there are also other really good players in the draft. But I, you know, can we find one that's as big of a need? Because I am starting to get a little bit concerned about the wide receiver situation. And, you know, it kind of goes back to even what Aaron Rodgers said, where we're a couple pieces away and those pieces might be on the team. We might be okay. It might just be, let's just backfill, let's get you know, a, a, a so-so veteran that can just kind of, you know, be the veteran presence, but also just be kind of a body that isn't horrible, that can go out and execute some things. But what if we are devoid of talent, you know? I mean, if, if Watson doesn't further develop his route tree and is just kind of a speed guy, and that's great. I mean, he's a playmaker, but games aren't won based on two or three big plays. You have to sustain drives and things like that. And I don't know that Watson's that guy. And what if Dobbs isn't that guy? But you know who everybody kind of assumes is exactly that guy? It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, he, he is sort of the anti-Christian Watson. He's the route runner. He's the sure-handed, uh, full route tree, NFL-ready. I mean, he, he is the exact anti-Christian Watson, which another way to put that is compliment. So it, it does sort of give you that level of assurance because it's not a bad thing. Like, what if Dobbs and Watson absolutely pop off and we didn't need them? Oh, shucks. <laughs> oh, darn. You mean, like, what if Watson's, like, a top 15 receiver and Dobbs is a top 25 receiver and Jigba's, like, a top 32 receiver or, or better and we have three number ones? Like, gee golly, that would be terrible. Plus, I mean, you, you also got to remember, you know, it's not actually... I know it's not the greatest wide receiver class ever, but pretty much every year there have been wide receivers, rookie wide receivers that have come into the league, at least for the last, what, two years, three years, since Jefferson maybe, where they've come in and just kind of dominated. Last year it wasn't massively dominant in terms of like the best receiver in football was a freaking rookie, but you still had like three or four guys that were easily number one wide receivers. Who's to say Jackson Smith and Jigba can't be one of those top 10 guys? If he's the number one guy in this class... And if he really is better than those other Ohio State guys that uh, have already gone into the league and have done very well, including Garrett Wilson, who we're all very well aware is a very good football player. He's not Justin Jefferson or, or, or uh, whatever. But again, and Jigba supposedly is better. What if Watson and Dobbs are actually quite good, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best on the team? You know, and there, there are other needs, but there's always going to be other needs, you know? I mean, if we, we could address safety, which I really don't want to because there's only one guy that would do that and I just don't want him on the team, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with it because in, in terms of, like, the intersection between um, talent and needs, it's, it is hard to find something 
better than Njigba, right? I like Witherspoon and Gonzalez as corners, but does that improve our team as much, right? I mean, best player available, I get all that, but also those corners are young. It's not a situation where you're replacing somebody that's going to be leaving soon. I mean, Stokes and Jair, seriously? Jair just got his first big contract and Stokes is going into year three. So, I mean, it's it's like way in the future. You know, pass rusher, I'm all for it, but I mean, Rashawn's going to be here for a long time. Preston's probably going to be here for a little while too, if I'm if I'm being honest. He might not, I don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that number three pass rusher. But also, I mean, the, the pass rush and the defense kind of came together without Rashawn even being on the team last year. So I, 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 I guess I'm looking at potential areas where the team could be crippled. And as much as, you know, Lazard and Cobb weren't exactly amazing receivers, we lost them. And Tunyon, same thing. He wasn't elite, but we lost him. And Mercedes wasn't elite, but we lost him. Those are four veteran guys. And by the way, again, Lazard was, I think, a top 32 receiver last year via PFF. So it wasn't the greatest situation last year, and it got a lot worse. And even if Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson step up, it's still kind of like, a, I don't know what that looks like. And then, then, you know, that's assuming that none of them get hurt, and both of them got hurt last year. I mean, everybody gets hurt. So it is hard to find something that maybe is a, a better um, talent and need intersection than Jackson Smith and Jigba. So we'll, we'll put it there. But again, unless we trade up, it's seeming like we probably just won't get him. After that at 10, Peter Skaronsky, another guy I would be happy to have. Uh, his lineage goes all the way back to the Lombardi-era Green Bay Packers where his uh, dad played left tackle, won championships as a Green Bay Packer. So that would be a, a cool um, a cool thing in and of itself. I like the way he plays. And it is a situation where it can be a little dicey in terms of who exactly plays where, but it's not hard to figure out that this is a position that needs investment in the future, especially being a premium position. David Bakhtiari does not have very much longer to be an NFL tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Um, and aside from that, I don't know that we necessarily have anybody that is a dominant tackle. I mean, I like Zach Tom, but I don't know that he's ever going to become a great tackle. I mean, who else do we have on the team that is just a dominant tackle. I don't know that we have one. We have a lot of potential prospects, but we may need Skaronsky this year, not just in the future when Bakhtiari leaves. We may need him right away. Um, at 11, Jameer Gibbs, running back. Generally speaking, Jameer Gibbs is seen as a later round guy. However, uh, the hype about Jameer Gibbs is um, it's absolutely through the roof. So it is a little surprising. I th I'm guessing it's just because he's a running back. I don't know, but everybody absolutely freaking loves this guy. Borderline seems like everyone's annoyed that um, Bijan Robinson's even in this class because everybody wants to just gush over Jameer Gibbs. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. He's a great football player, but it is surprising that nobody else has him nearly this high. Um, after that at 12, Brian Branch, again, the guy I just cannot wrap my head around. Um, I don't like the lack of physicality at safety. I know you can go find highlights of him tackling people. I know he's a, his, his tackling statistics are through the roof. I understand all that. But it's one thing to, when somebody comes into your area, you're able to wrap them up and bring them down falling backwards. It's another thing to run all the way clear across the field and blow somebody up. If you jog across the field and let somebody else tackle them, that's not going to show up as a missed tackle. It's a missed opportunity that doesn't get logged anywhere. I'm not arguing that the guy can't tackle. I'm arguing he lacks intensity. And it's already being discussed that maybe he wouldn't play safety. Maybe he needs to move to corner. Maybe he needs to move to the, the slot or something. Um, yeah, maybe. He does play more like a corner to me anyways. Again, without that just killer instinct. I mean, it, it, it borderline reminds me of the problem that we had, where we liked Rudy Ford because he went in and did the dirty work that we wish Savage would do. So, I don't know. At 13, Michael Mayer. So they're holding strong with their Michael Mayer assessment. And, and again, PFF also agrees as far as their assessment of him. I know he doesn't blow everybody away with, with everything else, but um, I do like Michael Mayer. Um, like I said before, when you go back and look at tight ends that have grades like Michael Mayer does, every single one of them essentially is a superstar. I don't remember exactly who they are, but I know Kittle, Pitts, and, um, oh, the, the, the Baltimore guy, if he's even still in Baltimore, I don't know. Like That's basically it, and the, and the guy that's at uh, Georgia right now. Not, not Washington, but the other guy that's a freak. That's the company Michael Mayer's in. And so I, I, I do like him. I mean, he's, he's, he's not excited. Everybody wants sort of the Dalton Kincaids, the receiver types. 
And Michael Mayer doesn't have the speed, but again, it's, I don't know. I feel like Michael Mayer is the kind of guy who is actually going to play really well, but everybody is going to discount because he has a slow 40 time. And even if it's no based on, you know, it's based on my, my film study of him or whatever, I, I get that. But when I watch him too, the thing that you see is sort of that lumbering tight end. But that's what tight ends look like. And the, the tight ends that look like receivers, they're, there's, they're a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. They're these skinny guys who are too small to block. They run down the field. They don't, you know, struggle to move. And plus, some of these guys like Darnell Washington, he looks slow. I think he's shocked a lot of people with his 40 time because he looks slow because he has long legs. Taller guys' legs move slower. But because they're so long, they move fast. It just doesn't look like it, right? It's like that Darren Sproles thing. He always looked like the fastest guy on the field. He wasn't. It just looked like it because he's tiny and his legs are kicking like a mile a minute. It's an illusion. But the reality is Michael Mayer is probably the most well-rounded guy in this draft. Probably one of the more well-rounded tight ends that's come out in a very long time. His blocking ability is next level. His route running is superb. You know, I mean, you could nitpick that he's not good enough at it because he's too slow or whatever to actually get away from somebody. But he is a massive human being. Again, remember, he is he is about the size of Mercedes Lewis. That's another thing that goes completely under the radar is how big this guy is. He is a monster. He's not as tall, but he's about as, as hefty. He just doesn't look like it. Um, his hands are incredible. And he has surprising agility. Like I said, I, I, I did not like Michael Mayer. All I saw was Cole Komet when I watched him, just this kind of slow, lumbering guy that can kind of block and kind of catch, but doesn't seem any bit impressive. But when I saw some of the catches he made, just hands catches away from his body with these massive hands that just engulf the football. And then I saw him make that toe tap um, catch along the sideline where he caught it out of bounds and got his two feet down, just his tippy toes. That's when it's like, this is different. Like I've seen these slow lumbering guys that I just can't get around. This is different. And again, there, there, there is additional context here that you, it, it's hard to see it when you watch it. You don't realize how big he actually is. And his ability to move at his size is, is more impressive than I think he gets credit for. And so I know for most of us, we look at it and we just can't picture it aside from like the one example of Gronkowski who looked like that when he played. But there's still Gronkowski. So I don't know. I hate to say he has the highest ceiling because Kincaid probably is that, but I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true because of how well-rounded he is. If he meets his ceiling as a blocker and as a receiver, run blocker, pass blocker, and receiver, I don't know that there will be a more valuable tight end in the NFL than Michael Mayer, right? Like peak Gronkowski compared to peak, uh, you know, Kittle. I mean, we, we, we can nitpick the merits of that if we want, but Gronkowski was a well-rounded guy that would block like you wouldn't believe and was an incredible receiver, as opposed to a lot of the guys today who are really good receiving threats, but don't offer very much as blockers. Granted, it's probably unlikely that he has the success as a receiver as like if you, if you had to put money down who's going to be the better receiving tight end Kincaid or, or Michael Mayer you'd probably pick Kincaid but who knows I mean there's, there's guys I mean every, every year there's these tight ends usually like third or fourth round guys who can fly around the field I forget who the guy was I liked last year I think he actually had a decent year too let me check oh Isaiah Likely Isaiah Likely was a guy that I watched and I was like this guy looks like a wide receiver when he plays in my opinion but the point is those guys are kind of like a dime a dozen I mean we see those all the time I mean I don't remember exactly who they were. I think um, Kate Otten was one of those guys. Um, so I don't know. Anyways, continuing on, John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, is at 14, guy that generally is not this high at all. Then you get Paris Johnson at 15, which is a little lower than usual for him. Quentin Johnston is sitting at 16, so we're kind of in that Packers range, right? I doubt we take John Michael Schmitz. There's just very unlikely. But you got Michael Mayer, Paris Johnson, Quentin Johnston here. Then you get... Um, Another guy that doesn't get talked about as much as some of these other guys in this range, but Kalijah Kansi, defensive tackle out of Pitt. Um, that's another guy that is a possibility that isn't talked about very much. Tyree Wilson is not talked about to the Packers very much, largely because he's expected to be gone very early, but he may not be. I'm not even sure I'm that big of a Tyree Wilson fan. I, I get the ceiling because he's an absolute wrecking ball. But he reminds me of some of the guys that I've seen drafted at the back of the first round um, who were a little bit reckless in their abilities, but obviously very powerful. Then you got Zay Flowers at 19, wide receiver, uh, quite high for him. Smaller, shifty route runner, kind of like a lot of the guys in this class. Uh, Miles Murphy, edge rusher at 20. Then you get Darnell Washington at 21, which, again, pretty high for him. A lot of people are like, well, there's no way he goes at 15 or whatever, but if SIS is seeing him as a you know, borderline top 20 prospect, it's not 
that unlikely. I mean, it, it's again, it's it's unlikely that the Packers would take him as that early, and it's unlikely he falls to him that late. But we are talking about a higher ranking than a lot of people think. Then you got Joey Porter at 22. I'm not a big fan of Joey Porter. Um, I think of all the picks that would just completely break my heart, that would be one of them. I mean, Brian Branch would not make me super happy, but at least I kind of get it. I doubt we would draft Joey Porter, but that's one where I'd just be like, oh, come on, man. I mean, I like Joey Porter. He seems like a great dude. Freaking jacked. Like, it's it's weird. He's got some incredible, like, his arms are ridiculously long. He, he reminds me, honestly, when I looked at him, of Miles Garrett, which is crazy for a corner. Six foot three, 200 pounds, but he's got these ridiculously long arms. And then he was, I was watching him do an interview, and it's like, dude, his biceps are going to break through. The, it's one of those things where he's not even wearing a tight shirt. It's like a loose-fitting shirt, but he's still going to rip it with his arms. And that's like a Miles Garrett thing, which... I'm, that's just ridiculous. But I don't like the way he plays football. 23 wide receiver Josh Downs. So uh, they actually seem a little bit higher on several wide receivers. Josh Downs seen generally as sort of a second-round prospect. Then Jordan Addison, who has been kind of plummeting down boards for quite some time now. Um, I've seen several people kind of putting him below guys like Zay Flowers and whatnot. Um, and then finally, we'll end it here because this is where they – I mean, you can click more, but we'll just end it with the top 25. Very surprisingly, tight end Tucker Kraft. It says, uh, Kraft is a competitive tight end who uses leg drive in the run game and natural hands and savvy in the pass game to be a versatile threat, but he'll need to improve as a true separator to become a top receiving target. So I don't know that I've ever seen Tucker Kraft uh, anywhere near this high before. So that's sort of their their um, big board. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll come back and we'll look at the more important part, which is the leaderboard. And just kind of take away some interesting tidbits to think about. Um, there are several, even including quarterback, even though that's not something we're massively um, concerned with. There are a couple things that I wanted to point out, um, particularly with Hendon Hooker and Anthony Richardson. But why don't we take a break here? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. If you'd like to support them, you can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I want to start, again, we'll go position by position. I want to start with quarterback here. Um, a couple things that stand out. First of all, if I were to just look at this and say who is their top quarterback, it seems pretty straightforward to me that it would be Bryce Young, although C.J. Stroud is right there. 
Uh, I actually, I, I can't even necessarily say that because it's kind of number one and number two. For example, total points rating per play, um, Stroud and Young. They do have Stroud first. I don't know if it actually makes a difference, but they're both 99, which is, I think, the highest that anybody gets. Nobody gets 100. I don't think. I don't know. Um, points per game, Bryce Young. EPA per game, Bryce Young. Uh, points rating per pass, CJ Stroud. Uh, points per game, Bryce Young. So, I mean, it's just they, they kind of go back and forth on these different things here. IQR, Bryce Young. IQ under, under pressure, Bryce Young. Short, Bryce Young. Uh, so, I, I think Bryce kind of takes it in more areas, but CJ Stroud is a very close second. Now, the interesting thing that I would find here. And I'm kind of upset that this narrative has taken off before I had an opportunity to say it because I was thinking it and then I, I was going through this and then I saw it take off and then now I'm going to come in from behind, which stinks because I wanted to say it first. But Hendon Hooker is, um, it's kind of Stroud, Young, and Hendon Hooker. Like those are sort of the three if you were to actually put a third with that group. It's not Anthony Richardson. Um, he is third in the total points rating per play behind Stroud and Young. He is second in points per game behind Bryce Young. Um, tied for third in uh, points rating per pass. I mean, occasionally, like, you get Stetson Bennett, Clayton Toon, a couple other guys mixed in on a few of these. But he's sort of, as far as, like, legitimate contenders, he he's that guy, right? Um, if you look at the IQR, it's Young, then Stroud, then Hooker. If you look at, with no pressure, Hendon Hooker's number one. Now, that doesn't speak very highly of him under pressure, which is his biggest issue. He's 11th out of 13. There's only 13 guys here under pressure. But, um, you know, short passing, Bryce Young. Medium passing, Hendon Hooker. Deep passing, Bryce Young. Second in deep passing, Hendon Hooker. If you look at accuracy, number one, Jake Hayner. Number two, Hendon Hooker. Uh, catchable passes. If we're just looking at, like, the top, let's, well, top five, I guess. I forgot Will Levis even existed. Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, like those five guys. Catchable percentage, it goes Bryce Young, then Hendon Hooker. Just looking at st uh, general statistics, uh, passing yards per game, Hendon Hooker is the top of the top five. Um, touchdowns per game, it's C.J. Stroud, then Bryce Young, then Hendon Hooker. If you look at yards per attempt, number one, Hendon Hooker. If you look at adjusted net yards per attempt, which is a very solid metric, it's C.J. Stroud, then Hendon Hooker. The top three quarterbacks, according to this, without any question whatsoever, is C.J. Stroud. It, it's it, If I had to put it in an order, it's 1A, 1B, CJ, uh, Bryce Young, then C.J. Stroud, then two is Hendon Hooker. It's not Will Levis. It's not Anthony Richardson. The other thing is, um, Anthony Richardson is one of the worst on this list just in general. And again, I forgot about Will Levis. He's also one of, if not the worst, on this list. And that is, so So here's the full list. If we just do total points rating per play. So this is just, like, let's call it their PFF grade, okay? C.J. Stroud, then Bryce Young, then Hendon Hooker. Then it's Stetson Bennett, then Anthony Richardson, then Max Dugan, Jake Hayner, Jaron Hall, Clayton Toon, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Aiden O'Connell, Will Levis, Tanner McKee. But if we look at EPA per game, Anthony Richardson is ninth, Will Levis is 12th. Points rating per pass. Anthony Richardson is 5th, Will Levis is 12th. Uh, total points, passing total points per game, Anthony Richardson 10th, Will Levis 13th. Uh, snap to throw time, so, you know, a release time. Will Levis is 2nd, Anthony Richardson is 12th. Expected points added per dropback, Anthony Richardson is 10th, Will Levis is 12th. I mean, these, these guys are, they're just bad. Like, the only thing Anthony Richardson dominates is broken plus missed tackles per 100 dropbacks. Like, cool. <laughs> but the crazy thing is, he's not even the highest in rushing. When you just look at total points rating per rush, Hendon Hooker. Well, it's actually, I guess it's a three-way tie, but it's Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce Young. So Richardson is the top runner, no doubt. But Levis and Richardson, as far as every other metric here, and Levis I don't think is good in, I mean, there's a couple, like, short passing, cool. But this is this is ugly. IQR, again, their, their passer rating metric. Out of 13, Will Levis is 10th, Anthony Richardson is 11th. With no pressure, Levis is 10th, Richardson 11th. Under pressure, um, Richardson is 6th, uh, Will Levis is 8th. 
You say, well, six isn't that bad. Well, first of all, it's out of 13, so it's not great. But again, like, I can put, I mean, Jake Hayner, who is, again, when I did my big board, he was the number one quarterback, was Jake Hayner. I think. I, I, I keep mixing him up and somebody else, but I'm pretty sure it was Hayner. But I mean, I could probably put Stetson Bennett, Tanner McKee, Max Dugan. Like, there's a lot of guys. If I were to just aggregate all of this data and put a list together of the best quarterbacks, there's a lot of guys above Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And Hendon Hooker is way ahead of them. You know, short passing. Again, uh, Will Levis is third. Congratulations. Anthony Richardson is last. He's 13th. Short passing. Medium passes. Anthony Richardson is 10th. Will Levis is 13th. I mean, come on, man. Deep passing. Will Levis is dead last. Mr. Cannon for an arm has the lowest, by a mile, by the, by the way, his IQR, again, think of it like a, a uh, passer rating. So the highest is Bryce Young, 120.3. The second worst is Stetson Bennett with a 79.3. Let's call it 80. Will Levis has a 61.1. It's not even close. And Anthony Richardson is fourth. So, I mean, solid deep passer but he's behind Bryce Young he's behind Hendon Hooker he's behind Jake Hayner accuracy Will Levis is eighth Anthony Richardson dead last 13th that's well that's completion percentage uh catchable percentage how many passes that you throw are actually catchable Will Levis is tied for sixth Anthony Richardson dead last at 13th on target percentage um Will Levis tied for sixth. Anthony Richardson dead last his accuracy is putrid if you look at on target percentage what percentage of the time are his passes exactly where they need to be max dugan is the second worst out of tcu at 71 percent. he's at 65 percent. putrid i get the athletic upside for anthony richardson i i understand it but he is a horrific quarterback i mean i'm comparing him to like second third fourth fifth sixth round quarterbacks and he doesn't really match up Aside from his elite, freakish athleticism, which no question. I mean, everything that um, Justin Fields did last year, as incredible as he is, and is as incredible as, as, as those guys are as runners, Richardson could be better. But the guy can't throw a freaking football. And Will Levis, there's just, there's like nothing here for him. Um, and then even, you know, traditional passing stats, passing yards per game. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are 12th and 13th out of 13. Um touchdowns per game they're ninth and 11th out of 13 uh yards per game i mean ev everything everything is terrible adjusted net yards per attempt again another solid metric just for looking at quarterbacks anthony richardson 10th will levis 11th it goes stroud then hooker then bennett then bryce young then jaron hall max dugan clayton toon jake hayner dorian thompson robinson then anthony richardson then will levis then aiden o'connell then tanner mckee I'm I'm getting very very strong uh, Malik Willis vibes here. I mean I I really am. I mean that that was a really rare thing, but I I said the exact same thing last year. Malik Willis is terrible. He's terrible, and people got so mad at me. I was like the the guy is awful, and I'm 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 kind of saying the same thing about these two guys. Now don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody swings at the athletic upside. You know. Um, it just takes one team to look at Anthony Richardson or Will Levis and draw parallels, you know? Anthony Richardson could be the most athletic, freak-rushing quarterback if we can get him to tighten up his accuracy or whatever they think that they can do with their coaches. Who knows? And, um, you know, Will Levis, you know, anybody says, hey, we can turn him into Josh Allen, it's a done deal. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Why would you not draft him if you think he could be that? Even if it takes like three years like it did with Josh Allen. So what? You would do it. But what I'm saying is there's nothing here that is massively redeemable. <laughs> so that's quarterback. Let's continue on down the line. Running back is, is probably mostly as you would expect. Bijan Robinson is top dog. Um, points per play, points per game, touchdowns per game, um, points rating per rush. Rushing points per game, positive percentage when hit at the line of scrimmage. Just a lot. I mean, it's, it's not everything, and we'll get into the other areas. Um, but again, if you had to just kind of aggregate all this and look at it, he's your top guy. Now, top guy receiving? No, he's not. In some individual categories? No. Um, 
overall points rating per play, Jameer Gibbs is number two, but there are some other people to look at. And I think the top guy that probably needs a little bit more consideration, and granted, he is sort of considered the number three, so it's not that big of a deal, and that would be Zach Charbonnet. Um, he is number two in total points per game behind Bijan. He is number one in uh, EPA per game, number two in rushing total points per game, uh, number two behind Travis Dye in positive play percentage, number one in yards per attempt, just statistic-wise, number two in rushing yards per game. Now, a lot of these are per-game stats, so if you get used a lot, you're going to be higher. So it's, it's not necessarily the most valuable, but not all of them are, and it's still valuable. Um, he's also number one in receptions per game. So, again, pretty straightforward. I would say Bijan's a top guy, then probably Jameer Gibbs, then Zach Charbonnet, just using the data here. The interesting thing is then, the next on the consensus board, so it's Bijan is number 10 overall, Jameer Gibbs is number 35, then it's Zach Charbonnet, and then it's Devin A-Chain. I think that's how you say his name. I haven't watched him in a while. Now, this is one where it kind of drops off, because uh, Tajay Spears is probably the next best. If you look at this and Zach Evans, you know, kind of down the line. A-Chain, not so much. He's tied for sixth, uh, excuse me, 12th on total points rating per play. So sort of that overall, how good are you per play? 12th. EPA per game, they have him 17th out of 19. There's 19 guys. And again, this is like not just first round prospects, right? This is first through undrafted free agents, or maybe not in the case of running backs, but Let's just say out of the top 19, they have them 17th on EPA per game. Points rating per rush, 14th. Positive play percentage, 12th. Boom percentage, 7th. Missed tackles per 100 touches, 8th. Broken tackles, 11th. Bust percentage, 10th. I mean, he's, he's really not graded high in really any category. The highest I could find is like third in pass blocking. And even then, he's behind Tajay Spears. So that would be one big discrepancy there in terms of they clearly do not see him. Uh, I shouldn't even say that because, you know, I don't know where they put him on their big board. But he doesn't rank highly really anywhere. Spears absolutely does. Third in uh, points per play. Third in points per game. Um, fourth in EPA per game. Second in touchdowns per game fourth in uh, EPA per rush. So I I guess the bottom line is the top running backs are the top running backs. We can get into the nitty-gritty all the way down the line, but the the one of the top four that kind of doesn't belong, I guess, would be A-Chain. Then we get to wide receivers, and this is where stuff gets weird. (laughs) First of all, as you can imagine, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is not on this list because this is based on last year's production and he really didn't play however i really think that the big takeaway here is that i don't even want to say it's not like a great wide receiver class although i i I do think in the past where you've had like that clear number one and then like five elite guys and then you know down from there I don't know that, for example, SIS necessarily would agree with that. And and again, Jackson Smith and Jigba, they have high, and then it's just kind of a muddled list after that. And and I think this is kind of why. There isn't that guy that dominates every category. That doesn't exist. For example, total points per game, just their, their top thing right off the gate. Number one, Nate Dell. Then Josh Downs. Then Antoine Green. Then Charles Jones. Keelan Stokes. Then Zay Flowers is sixth, tied with Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I won't read everybody, but Jordan Addison is 11th. Quentin Johnston is 14th. Um, Any other big names here that I'm missing? Scrolling, scrolling. Uh, Not necessarily, but those are sort of the top guys. EPA per game, Jalen Hyatt's number one, then Josh Downs. By the way, Josh Downs is probably the name that comes up the most. Um, although it kind of depends, but that would be one of the names. And again, they have him a lot higher than a lot of others. And this would be why Jalen Hyatt, number one, Josh Downs, number two, and then Nate Dell, another guy that is really high in comparison to me. Where is he on this consensus here? Uh, Nate Dell would be, he's 84th overall. So the fact that he's like number one in a lot of these categories would mean that's, that's sort of your Zach Tom. I guess let's just start with there. Nathaniel Dell, number one in points per game, 
number three in EPA per game, number one in touchdowns per game, number two in receiving points per game. Heck was that noise? Did you guys hear that? <laughs> per game. Number three in total points per game from the slot. Second in unique routes, which is a fun metric that you're not going to find really anywhere else, which is number of distinct routes that a receiver ran at least once in the season. So this gives you an idea of their route tree. He has the second highest behind Josh Downs, third in target share on his teams, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of other categories where he isn't necessarily the highest, but just to give you an idea of where he just kind of dominates this. And in fact, based on this, and, and again, they don't have him, they have uh, Quentin Johnston higher and everything else, but based on just how dominant he is in all these metrics, he might be the top guy. Josh Downs, second in total points per game, second in EPA per game, fourth in touchdowns per game, number one in receiving total points per game. So points per game as a receiver or whatever. Uh, number one in points per game from the slot. Second in catchable pass percentage. catching, or He's actually number one. He's tied with Hyatt, Addison, and Matthews. 95% he caught of passes that were catchable. Second in receptions per game. Number one in unique routes. Um, that's about it for him. So that's why he is way at the top. But if we look at some of the other big names like Quinton Johnston, he is high on a couple of these things. Total points rating per route. So it's just total points on a per route basis as opposed to per whatever. He's number one in that metric. But not a lot else. Um, and the total points per game, he's 14th. EPA per game, 22nd. This is out of uh, 40. Receiving points per uh, game, 12th. From the slot, 25th. Yards per route run, second with Jalen Hyatt, which is obviously pretty solid. Catchable pass percentage, he's 29th. Um, receptions per game, 28th. Yards per game, 15th. So he's, he's not really super high in most of these metrics. He is quite good, however, in the after-the-catch. They have three different after-the-catch metrics. Number one in broken plus missed tackles per reception, number two in yards after the catch per reception, and then seventh in yards after the catch per game. Jordan Addison, likewise, not very solid in most of these metrics. In fact, I'm trying to see if he's kind of like top anything in any one single metric. I thought he was good in, uh, oh, there he is. Catchable catch, uh, catchable catch percentage. He was tied for number one. Unique routes, he was fourth. Um, other than that, that's about it. He's not top five in any other category. So I, I, I really feel like this is sort of a pick-your-flavor situation, right? Um, a lot of these guys, for example, are smaller slot guys. If you don't want that, then it doesn't matter. If you're looking for the outside burner, you might just look at Jalen Hyatt. He, you know, grades out or, you know, ranks highly in several categories. But limited route tree, as you would expect. So... Again, there's really nothing here that screams, this is the top guy, or even, you know, this guy shouldn't be that high. I mean, Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison clearly don't separate themselves in any one category compared to any of these other guys, aside from, again, what flavor you're interested. Quentin Johnson is a pretty big dude, has that more X receiver quality to him. Anyways, uh, tight end. The top two clearly are Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. I would say Michael Mayer is probably higher in most of these. Uh, points per play is Michael Mayer. Um, points per game, Michael Mayer. Touchdowns per game is Michael Mayer. Um, blocking, he's tied for number one in total points rating per block. He's number one in, in blocking total points per game. Um, he is... Number one in total points rating per route. And, and again, this is the interesting thing. This is the receiving category, right? Now, it's, it's Dalton Kincaid is number one in a couple other of these, but total points rating per route, he's ahead of Kincaid. In fact, so is Darnell Washington. Uh, receiving total points per game, Michael Mayer and then Dalton Kincaid. Receiving total points per game when in tight. In other words, not in the slot, but in tight. Michael Mayer is number one. Kincaid is fourth. Now, split out... Kincaid's number one, but Michael Mayer's still number two. Yards per route run, Kincaid, Michael Mayer is third. Kincaid, by the way, tied with Darnell Washington. And then yards per target, Darnell Washington's number one. Uh, catchable, uh, catchable catch percentage, Michael Mayer is tied for number one. Target share, Michael Mayer number one. Receptions per game, Kincaid's number one, Michael Mayer's number two. Receiving yards per game, Kincaid's number one, Michael Mayer's number two. 
Um, then after the catch, Kincaid third, Michael Mayer fifth. Yards after the catch per reception, Washington of the top three, I guess you would say, is the highest, tied for second. Kincaid is seventh, Michael Mayer tenth. Yards after the catch per game, Kincaid one, Michael Mayer three. So even the areas where Kincaid has Michael Mayer beat, generally speaking, Michael Mayer is right at his heels. Whereas if you just, again, look at that top rating scale, top points rating per play, Mayer's number one, then Sam Laporta, then Marshawn Ford, then Dalton Kincaid, then Darnell Washington. So I would say it's sort of that 1A, 1B, and then 2, and 1A would be Michael Mayer, 1B would be Dalton Kincaid, and then 2 would be Darnell Washington. I would I would probably put it that way. Although, again, Sam Laporta, depending on what you're looking at, pretty high in a lot of these. Musgrave, by the way, is not on here. So I think it's just a small school, we didn't track them kind of a situation. But looking at Sam Laporta, again, two in uh, second in points per play, third in points per game, number one points rating per block, uh, third in blocking points per game behind only Mayer in Washington, so a very good blocker. Tied for number one in pass-blown block percentage um, with zero. Granted, there were eight guys with zero, but still pretty solid. Also number one in rush-blown block percentage with zero. So uh, Marshawn Ford, Sam Laporta, and I think that's it. Those are the only two guys that had zero blown blocks in the run game and zero blown blocks in the pass-blocking game. Uh, again, the receiving metrics for Sam, third, third, fourth, third, fifth, um, third, second, third, um, and then after the catch, second, fifth, second. So, I mean, you could borderline say Laporta could potentially be better than Darnell Washington. Now, different categories, Washington's going to beat him. But the only guy that kind of stands out, because again, it's Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, that's kind of all the way down the line, um... The one that definitely stands out, because the way they have it, again, Musgrave is not on their list. I don't know if Tucker Craft is either. Let me see. Because I know they had him as like a first-round guy. No, he's not on here either, so we'll, we can skip that. But Luke Schoonmaker is also pretty high on several of these. Not enough that he necessarily competes, but if you're looking for, let's say, sort of a Michael Mayer light, the second best receiving total points per game from in tight, so receiver from in line, behind Michael Mayer is Luke Schoonmaker. But again, nothing really crazy about this other than to say, again, I think we've kind of gotten it in our minds like Dalton Kincaid is probably the top guy. Darnell Washington is who all the Packer fans or a lot of Packer fans are really banging the drum for. But I think Michael Mayer is probably still the top guy. Not to say that everybody has to agree with that. He's not the top with every metric, but we've all kind of pushed him to the side. And I don't know that that's necessarily the right thing to do. For offensive tackle, which is where this all began, going back to the Zach Tom era last year, I've just got a name for you, all right? He is a uh, roughly, he's probably just out of the range of names you've heard if you're just barely scratching the first surface. And that is because if you look at the consensus big board, it's Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, Anton Harrison, and Dewan Jones. Those are the guys that rank from 11th to 38th. And then there's this giant gap all the way down to 72nd. Out of Syracuse, Matthew Bergeron. Total points rating per play, Matthew Bergeron is tied with Darnell Wright, who just visited with the Packers, by the way. Um, number one. Total points per game, number two. More importantly, when you look at pass blocking and run blocking, total points rating per pass block, he's second. Pass blocking total points per game. So total points, we're just talking about how good are you. Pass blocking total points per game, Matthew Bergeron tied for number one. Um, go to run blocking. Total points rating per run block, Matthew Bergeron tied for number one with Darnell Wright. Now, he kind of drops in, in certain different things, but that's still pretty massive considering where everybody else ranks, right? I mean, where is Paris Johnson? Third overall. Points per game, he's behind Bergeron. Blown block percentage, he's 12th. Total blown blocks per game, 12th. Tied with Peter Skaronsky, for example. 
I'm not saying it's all bad with Paris Johnson or anybody else, but the fact of the matter is it's not like I'm just highlighting a guy that's good in a couple categories, but, you know, Dewan Jones and Peter Skaronsky and Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson, like, these guys dominate. No, they don't. They don't. And by the way, Darnell Wright is um, significantly higher than most of the guys above him. And, and, and Darnell Wright's another guy that's been kind of flying up the boards recently. Again, the Packers just met with him, kind of been flying a little bit under the radar, but is another Tennessee product that's coming up. Darnell Wright, again, tied for number one in o- overall. He is number one in total points per game. He is number two in blown block percentage at 0.7%. Only Wanya Morris is ahead of him. But I think the biggest issue with Darnell Wright is that most of what he does comes from his run blocking. Tied for number one in total points rating per run block, number one run blocking per game, number one blown block percentage run blocking, number one. I mean, he's, he's literally number one in every single category run blocking. Darnell Wright is. He's tied with a couple people, um, but he's number one in every run blocking pa- category. But pass blocking, seventh, uh, tied for fourth with like seven other guys. Um, in this category, he's sixth, and then the other one, he's seventh. It's not terrible, but he's he's a road grading freaking dominant run blocker but my guy bergeron is number one in both categories pass blocking and run blocking it not every single category but enough and none of the top prospects can say that the only one that top in any one category is dewan jones who's tied with uh, warren mcclendon in pass blocking blown per uh blown block percentage and I, I, seriously if you look at any of the top guys none of them are at the top of really any of these lists. Another guy that keeps popping up uh, when I'm going through these is Wanya Morris. Uh, Number one in blown block percentage. uh, Number one in total block. So assignment, sure. Doesn't blow blocks. Doesn't make a lot of uh, mistakes. So again, it kind of depends what you're looking for, right? You got Wanya Morris, who is not making a lot of big mistakes. Darnell Wright is your road grader. But again, I'm telling you, Matthew Bergeron is sort of that surprising name. And and he's not some ridiculous late-round guy. He's an early third-round prospect. Late second, early third type of guy. Unlike Zach Tom, who went like in the fourth round. So that would be the offensive tackle name that I would ask you. If you haven't done it yet, go check him out and see what you think. If you haven't checked out Darnell Wright, go watch him because it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun watching him just smash people. Again, Wanya Morris, somebody else to, to keep in mind. Not really dominant in, in any one category other than he just doesn't make mistakes. Which, to an extent, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, guards, again, there really isn't anybody that's, you know, like Osiris Torrance is the guy that you would expect. That's not really the... I mean, he's at the top of a couple categories. Um, pass blocking, overall grade, he's number one. But the two names that are standing out to me, aside from Osiris Torrance, and probably even more so, that you should probably keep an eye on, Number one is John Gaines. He is number one overall, number one in points per game, number three in pass blocking, number two in pass blocking grade per game, number one in run blocking, number one in run blocking points per game. And John Gaines is a pretty late guy. We're talking number 189 overall, so not very well known, but you absolutely need to go find him if you can. John Gaines, J-O-N, UCLA. And then another name that continually pops up is Antonio Maffi, also UCLA. So the two UCLA guards, kind of ridiculous. Number two overall. Number two only behind John Gaines in points per game. Number one blown block percentage. Number one total blown blocks per game. Uh, tied for number one in holding penalties because he doesn't have any. And then primarily run blocking is his thing. Pass blocking, he's you know down in the fifth or sixth. And there's only about 14, so he's about mediocre. But run blocking, third overall, third in per game, number one in blown blocks, um, and then number one in blown blocks per game. So go watch some UCLA games and watch those guards, because those guys are just kicking the living crap out of everybody, apparently. So those are the two. And, and Mafi is an even later pick. Uh, he's consensus 260. So some late round guys to keep an eye on. Those are they. At center, you would absolutely expect John Michael Schmidt to be uh, the top guy, and that is not really the guy. He's up there, but there's a guy whose name pops up even more, and that is Mr. Alex Forsyth out of Oregon. He is consensus 212. But Alex Forsyth, number one overall, uh, number two points per game, number one blown block percentage, number one blown blocks per game, number one holding penalties was zero. 
Um, number one in pass blown blocks. Um, number one in run blocking overall. Number two run blocking per game. Uh, number two run blocking blown blocks. So yeah, he is for sure. Uh, oh, also number two in positive percentage when run behind. So when the running back runs behind him, how often is it a positive play? 62% behind only Brett Nealon. I know centers aren't big on our list, but it's something to keep an eye on us, again, as a late-round guy. If you look at John Michael Schmitz, um, again, I'm sure he's a great center and all that, but um, he is tied with Forsyth for number one overall, but he's then third and fourth and uh, fourth. He, he's kind of consistently like fourth, fifth. He's not number one in any of these categories. I think his highest is third, but... Again, that's the guy to keep an eye on. Anyways, I was going to kick it over to defense, but I'll tell you what, um, we're getting kind of late here, and as much time as this is all taking, probably just save that for tomorrow. So tomorrow, nose tackle, defensive tackle, they do differentiate edge, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, cornerback, and, of course, safety. Um, I've also got a mock draft that I've done for the Packers, which you're not going to like. I didn't like it. Nobody liked it. Um, but it's something that I've done the last couple of years, and it's if last year's draft was this year's draft, which sounds surprising because we really liked last year's draft, but um, essentially just looking at the needs and uh, where we drafted guys and just kind of going from there. But we'll save that for tomorrow. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you hopefully tonight. Otherwise, tomorrow, have a good one. Bye-bye.